Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I will say for starters, since there will be some who will listen to this by our podcast, which will come on later this afternoon, podcasts go forever, so you have to make it good. Uh, But today is the second Sunday of Epiphany, year C, in the Book of Common Prayer 2019. I would ask that you note the colic of the day. It sets everything up quite well. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, is in the light of the world, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacrament, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. And that's always the story of the gospel, or the entire narrative of the Old Testament and New Testament put together. So if I were to title uh, this homily, um, I would call it, How Shall We Live? Now, this morning, just before coming, leaving for here, uh, I looked at my Facebook page. And I had a, a, from a pastor down in Montgomery who had liked something, which made me see it. Okay, so... It was actually from uh, Ed Setzer. He made a statement, and, and a lot of people copied it. And he wrote it last night, and it says, Pray for your pastor tonight. Mm-hmm. It is a challenging time to be a pastor. I would extend that by saying it's a challenging time for us all. By the way, Ed Setzer is a Southern Baptist. He's a church planter. I think he was at Beeson, maybe when you were there, working on his doctorate. Uh, he's not from this area. I think he's from Georgia, but I'm not sure. But he, he is uh, within the Baptist uh, tradition. He's a church planter. So one would think the man knows what he's talking about, and he does. And so th- I thought that was pretty interesting. Obviously, he had something on his mind. by saying, pray for your pastors tonight, for uh, this morning. So... We all appreciate that. We pray for ourselves. We pray for others. But we have a guide in the way we do our liturgy. I talked about it last week in our four readings, the Old Testament, the Psalm, the New Testament, and the Gospel. And there is a stream, if you will, or a narrative among these uh, selections. And for those who don't know, the selections that we have are made by the church And it's a guide that this is how we should preach on Sunday morning. We don't have to. We can preach on something different, but it's best for us not to. Our purpose as pastors is uh, we we teach, uh, we preach, and we are pastors. And so we take care of our congregation as best we can. So if we look at the Old Testament this, this morning, I, I want to make something kind of clear. In this particular reading, uh, he does, Isaiah, uh, talk about how shall we live. 
it gives it gives a good good idea of it. But I would also want to uh, step outside of that just a little bit and say that it's poetry. Did you notice the metaphors that are in this uh, first reading? And the thing about poetry, most people don't like poetry, but the thing about poetry is you say a lot with the least number of words. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's all I have to say. Maybe you can figure out the rest, but <laughs> it's one of those things. Now, it's not like uh, the poem, The Divine Comedy, okay? Um, that's pretty long, but it's still a poem. There are all types of poems. Um, but if you have a reading that is very lyrical, like you find in uh, what we call Deutero Isaiah and Trito, Trito Isaiah, uh, they're more lyrical than the first 39 verses of Isaiah. So you had the prose verses there. So even today we have a balance. We have what I would think are two poems and two writings of prose. But in Isaiah, he's talking about righteousness and he's talking to Israel. Uh, Israel's coming out of, uh, of the exile. And so the, he's creating Israel anew. And so he's talking about his love for Israel. And it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's particularly when you get down there to the, the married part. It said, uh, but you shall be called, my delight is her, in her. That's the name, the full words. For my, but you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. He's setting up, this is in addition to what's already in Genesis, what marriage is like. For the Lord delights in you, and your, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. This is a very, very strong and effective love story. He has picked, selected, chosen Israel to do his work in this world. Is he ignoring everybody else? In a sense, yes. But God picked Israel to spread his word to all the other nations because he's the only God. The other gods, as was said earlier, are not gods, they're idols. But you know, and I know, and anyone who reads the Bible seriously knows that Israel failed. Remember last week we were talking about uh, Moses, the big event of the Exodus, and uh, Pharaoh. Yeah, you weren't here, but I'll tell you again. So Pharaoh, Pharaoh ruled in a certain way. Pharaoh was a god. All that Pharaoh did, you had to obey. He didn't care about anybody but himself, and he enriched himself. Build more bricks. Make more bricks. And uh, so that was one point about what Pharaoh's rule. The other one was God gave uh, to Moses the Ten Commandments. You might want to call it, in, in the society that we're in, they were the anti-Ten Commandments. In other words, whatever Pharaoh had, God put in place the Ten Commandments. This is how you shall live. This is the basic story that God wanted Israel to proclaim over a period of time. And it eventually comes to the church, of course. But that's what it's all about. But the third, the third object uh, last week I talked about had, was the golden calf. 
and the golden calf, they, they made their own God. So you see, they drifted away from God. So they're constantly having to come back to God. They're constantly having to be restored because they fail. And God knows they're going to fail. And God has to provide a way for them to be restored. And sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes God does some things through other nations to teach Israel a lesson. Psalm uh, 96 that we just read. I love the opening. Sing a new song. Uh, 98. Psalm 98 is the same way. Uh, I forgot who told this story, but it's about Billy Graham. Billy Graham used to say that he read four or five psalms every morning so that he could understand God better. He learned a lot about who God is through reading the psalms. They're lyrical. They don't rhyme necessarily. Maybe they rhyme in the Hebrew, but they're very lyrical and metaphorical. But you learn a lot by reading it. So Billy Graham thought that that changed his life. He did it every day. Four or five psalms because it helped him understand God better. He also read verses out of Proverbs to understand man better. So he had a balance there. And I thought that was pretty, pretty nice. I'd never heard that before, but I read it in one of, one of my books. But this, this psalm also tells us how we shall live. We are to declare God's honor to the nations. And uh, no longer should they be under any kind of slave. And so what Israel turned out to be is the alternative community. The alternative to Pharaoh. It's a new society. What was created after the Exodus was a new society with rules. And the rules, the initial rules, were the ten Commandments, and so the psalm plays off that. The psalm uh, is is very uh, lyrical, like like most most of them. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song! Sing unto the Lord all the whole earth. But down at the end, and at the very end of that psalm, it says, "For He comes, for He comes to judge the earth, and with righteousness to judge the world and the peoples with His truth." So the word judgment is, is problematic for a lot of people. What the many scholars that I've read use the term judgment or interpret the word judgment as God putting the world in order. It got out of order. He gave humankind free will. That's why evil comes up. Okay? But he loves us. He loves every one of us. And there's got to be a way to reorder things. And in the Old Testament, uh, there were big problems. You know, uh, Israel was uh, claimed by other nations surrounding them. And they went into exile, and then it came out. So the third Isaiah, second and third Isaiah tell you about the, the uh, after exile. But this one says, For he comes to judge the earth, and with righteousness to judge the world, and the peoples with his truth. So judgment is a way of reordering things. Judgment, whatever the method is that God decides to use, it's judgment, but he wants to reorder it rightly. And there is only one right, and the, the one right is God himself. But it says so lyrically and poetically. It's so, it's so wonderful to read the Psalms. I just might myself start reading more than one Psalm a day. But the ones that are uh, in the 90s are really, really good. 
Then we come to 1 Corinthians. This is prose. I'd call this one prose. And uh, most people can, uh, can get to, to understanding what the prose is. And what Paul is doing here is telling us that as a community, uh, we live by certain rules. But we also have certain gifts. In order for the community to do God's will on earth right now, then we need to exercise these gifts. But he wanted us to know that the gifts come from the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. And we have to accept that, or we don't have to, but if, if we are followers of Christ, we accept the Spirit that the gifts that we have, we're going to use for the glorification of God. There's no other reason. A lot of people think that uh, we do our best, we endure this world, so when we die we can go to heaven. Well, it doesn't really work out that way in the Bible. Uh, the earth is going to be renewed and restored. Heaven is going to be renewed and restored. And they're going to come together. So it's not like uh, we need to hate this world and, and do it best we can so we can get to heaven. We have a charge, just like ancient Israel had a charge, to tell the world who God is and how to live. Not everybody accepts that, but that's the charge. So our freedom as Christians is in Christ. Our freedom comes from expressing what God wants us to express to the rest of the world because the rest of the world rejects him. And we do too, and we have to come back, and there's got to be a mechanism for coming back, and Jesus Christ is that mechanism. It's a, it's hard, harsh terms, but we come to God, we come to Jesus, we pray for forgiveness, and we become restored in the here and now. So we have a duty, and just like ancient Israel, the church is chosen to do a specific work because God made all people and God wants all people to know him and to love him. And we have to help him out. And that's what he actually wants. It's not like it's going to come down from heaven and just zap everybody and everybody's going to be good. Uh, the gospel, Jesus is at a wedding. This meets up with the Old Testament reading from Isaiah this morning. He was at a wedding at Cana. All his disciples were there. They performed his first miracle at the beginning of his ministry. So... And the wine was good. It was high-quality wine that he produced. And that was a shocker. I mean, the metaphor or something we can take from that is that uh, Jesus is always the good new wine all the time, always being made new for us and for everyone else. And so those stories that we have in our readings today, I think, link together fairly well. There's a, one more thing I would like to add is that... Uh, um, Time and space, uh, using the ancient Israel, uh, the temple in the old days was God's space. They wanted to put him in the tabernacle. Of course, we all know that you can't contain God in a tabernacle. But the temple was, nonetheless, God's space. And the Sabbath is God's time. So as far as how we live today, uh, Jesus is the temple of God. We are, we contain the temple of the Holy Spirit in us if we accept Jesus 
And so our lives are changed because of that. So God's time is the Sabbath, but it's not just Saturday. God's time in the Sabbath now is every day. So we need to live in such a way that we can glorify God in our lives to other people. And not to fear this world. It's pretty bad off, as you know. Uh, but we're not to fear anything because we've got the love of God in us. Amen. 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 Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.